This is the 10th week now uh, since coronavirus turned things upside down. And I think that some of us could really use some encouragement right now. Uh, and so I felt drawn this week to talk about a passage where God meets someone in their discouragement. Uh, you may have heard me talk about the passage we're going to look at before. It's actually one of my favorite passages uh, in scripture. Uh, it's a strange passage. It's an enigmatic passage, and it reveals something profoundly true, uh, something that I think we really need to hear, especially if we're feeling discouraged. So if you have a Bible, you can start making your way to the passage. It's from the Old Testament, 1 Kings. Uh, chapter 20, starting in verse 3. First uh, Kings chapter 20, starting in verse 3. Uh, let me say a quick prayer for us before we get into this. Lord Jesus, uh, we just open ourselves up right now uh, to receive whatever it is that you want to, to tell us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be attentive to your word right now. And uh, Lord, I, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this uh, the blessing of this church community. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would meet us as we are gathered virtually right now. Uh, guide us with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we read the passage, I want to give us some context. Uh, the man who is discouraged in this story is a man named Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet to Israel uh, during a time when Israel really wasn't interested in what a prophet of God had to say. Uh, Israel was in rebellion against God. But Elijah was called to call the people to repentance, and he had been doing that job faithfully, and he was weary, very weary. Now, shortly before what I'm about to read, Elijah had had this incredible, victorious, miraculous experience. Uh, it, it was an incident that occurred at a place called Mount Carmel. And what Elijah had, had done was he told a bunch of people who were prophets of a false god, the false god Baal. He said, let's, let's put things to the test. You guys prepare an offering uh, that is to be burned, you know, cut up the wood, prepare the sacrifice, and then call down on, call, call on your god to send down fire from heaven to light up that sacrifice. And Elijah said, I'll do the same thing. And I'll call down, I'll call on Yahweh to send down fire from heaven, and we'll see what happens. So uh, the prophets of Baal agreed to this, and they spent 12 full hours calling on Baal to send down fire from heaven. And they were so desperate that they were cutting themselves and, and that sort of thing. But after 12 hours, nothing happened. And so then Elijah, uh, being a bit of a show off, he goes up to his offering and he douses it in water. He douses it in so much water that the trench uh, around the, the uh, sacrifice is overflowing. And then he prays to Yahweh once for him to send down fire from heaven and boom, the fire comes down, uh, it lights up the whole sacrifice and it, it uh, melts everything. Uh, it dries up all the water in the trench instantaneously. And the people are astonished and amazed. Uh, so you might be wondering, okay, well, why is Elijah discouraged now? He's just had this incredible mountaintop experience, this incredible victory where he's seen the power of his God, Yahweh, miraculously displayed. 
in this in remarkable way. Why is he discouraged now? Well, he's discouraged now because in spite of this incredible miraculous display, the leaders of Israel are still seeking to kill him. Uh, for some reason, this miraculous display has not uh, affected repentance in some of the people uh, that Elijah would most like to see repentance in. And so he is discouraged. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of trying to persuade someone of something that you felt was very, very important. And maybe you felt like you had offered up incontrovertible evidence and that you had offered up that evidence uh, winsome, winsomely and powerfully, and yet the person refuses to change their mind, refuses to repent. It's actually what repentance means, to change your mind. I don't know if you've had that experience, but you probably have. And if you have, you know how frustrating and discouraging that can be. And so Elijah is not only having that experience, but also the people who he would want to see uh, have their minds changed are pursuing him to kill him. And so he is extremely discouraged. Uh, and so that is the context of what we're about to read. So let's read what happens to poor, discouraged Elijah. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. So hear that discouragement, right? I have had enough, Lord. I don't want to keep fighting this fight. Take my life. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And here's where I think things get really interesting. Uh, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So like I said, strange enigmatic passage, right? Uh, what is going on here? Okay, remember, Elijah is discouraged. He doesn't want to fight this fight anymore. 
he wants to die. So what's the first thing that he does? He takes a nap. It says he falls asleep uh, by a tree. And then God uh, wakes him up and miraculously provides him with food and water. He says, eat. So Elijah eats. And then what does he do? He goes back to sleep, takes another nap. And then God wakes him up again. He says, eat. Elijah eats. And then he has the strength to travel to this place called Mount Horeb, uh, the mountain of God. Mount Horeb is a, is a location that is special in the history of Israel. And uh, so Elijah makes that, that journey there, and then he goes into a cave uh, to spend the night. Now, the bulk of what I want to talk about comes next in the story. We already read it. Uh, but before we move on to that, I want us to notice something. The first part of God's program for addressing Elijah's discouragement is what? It's sleep and food. Sleep and food. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience, but a lot of Christian people have had the experience of feeling discouraged, depressed, and uh, when they talk to brothers and sisters in Christ about what they're going through, uh, the first thing they're told is, well, you just, you need to get closer to God. You know, you need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. Now, don't get me wrong. Okay, sometimes that is what we need to do. Uh, sometimes uh, we are discouraged and feeling disconnected from God because we are not doing those things. But I really think that should not be our starting place when giving advice to a discouraged uh, brother or sister in Christ. Where we should start with is just asking something simple like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating well? Do you need a break? You know, sometimes we can feel like, um, you know, everything, we're in this spiritual um, disequilibrium, you know, like we're feeling disconnected from God, like we're very discouraged. And what we really need is just a break, just a, a nap and a good meal. And that can be very restorative. So that's my first advice if we're feeling discouraged is to follow Elijah's example here and to take a break, find space to take a break. God recognizes that Elijah needs those basic things food and sleep, and he gives Elijah uh, the space to have those things. Now, sometimes, even when we've taken care of those things, we still feel discouraged and disconnected. And uh, that was the case for Elijah here. So the food and, and drink gave him the strength to get to the mountain of God. In, or, in, order, in other words, the food and the drink gave him the strength to get to the place where he could connect with God, right? Um, but when he got there to the mountain of God, he was not a happy camper. And so Elijah laments, right? He basically says, I have been working really, really hard to do what's right. I have been putting myself on the line day after day to speak the truth. And you know what? It's not working. People aren't changing their minds. People aren't repenting. People aren't believing the truth. And all the other prophets have been killed. Now they're trying to kill me. And he basically says to God, come on, this is pointless. Why am I wasting my time? And then we come to the most fascinating part of the passage. And I'll read this one part again. Imagine that you're Elijah looking out over the mountain of God. And this is what happens. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So what does that mean? Okay. Well, Elijah sees three powerful displays of nature, right? Wind, earthquake, and fire. And these are obviously all very impressive, uh, very powerful, majestic displays, right? But Elijah doesn't really hear anything from the Lord in those powerful displays, right? But then when everything falls silent, Elijah hears a whisper. And the presence of God is so powerful in that whisper that Elijah raises his cloak and, and covers his face. That's basically a way of saying, wow, God is here. So what can we learn from this? What is this all about? A lot of people try to find God, find God in the wind, in the earthquake, in the fire. Uh, one way of putting it is a lot of people try to find God in the extraordinary. Now, what does that look like? Well, I would say this tendency to try to find God in the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, it can manifest itself in several ways. And one way is when we're constantly chasing after signs and wonders and, and miracles. Uh, now, God absolutely does sometimes do signs and wonders and miracles. Um, but we should not be overly fixated on these things. We shouldn't feel like in order for us to have a relationship with God, in order for us to continue following God, uh, we shouldn't feel like we need to have this constant diet of signs and wonders and miracles. That is looking for God in the wind and the earthquake and the fire. And as this story shows us, God is not in the wind, the earthquake, and the fire for Elijah, right? Again, I'm not saying God doesn't sometimes do extraordinary things, miracles and signs and wonders. Absolutely, right? But when we are dependent on these things, a constant diet of these things, a constant diet of the extraordinary, in order to not feel discouraged and disconnected, I think that we are trying to look for God in the wrong place, okay? Uh, another way that we uh, try to find God in the extraordinary is when we make confident claims about what God is saying through extraordinary natural events. Uh, for example, you know, whenever there's a terrible earthquake or a hurricane, there's always a few Christians who say something like, well, this is God's judgment on this state, you know, or this city uh, for X sins, whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, this is God's judgment on this region because they passed such and such legislation at such and such a time. And that's why this hurricane has uh, come to this area. Uh, some people are doing that with the extraordinary natural event of this pandemic, right? Some people are trying to say, oh, God has allowed this pandemic or caused this pandemic uh, for certain purposes of, of judgment. He's judging us for whatever, fill in the blank, right? But we have to be careful about claiming uh, that we are hearing God's voice in pandemics and hurricanes and tornadoes because that's kind of like looking for God in the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, right? And again, in this story, God's voice is not in the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. 
So where is the Lord? The Lord is in the gentle whisper. The gentle whisper. It's not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire that God restores Elijah, right? It's not the extraordinary that lifts him up out of his despair. It's in the gentle whisper of God. Now, it is very significant that God is described as speaking through a whisper. And it's significant for several reasons. First reason, if somebody is speaking to you in a whisper, that indicates that they are already very near, right? You don't whisper to somebody if they're in another state or even if they're in another room in the house, right? The fact that Elijah hears God as a whisper indicates that God is already very near. And it suggests that God is already very near to us. And in fact, uh, the New Testament confirms this in a beautiful passage uh, from Acts. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, verses in the New Testament. Acts uh, chapter 17, the Apostle Paul uh, is describing how God has arranged the circumstances of our lives so that, and this is the quote from Scripture, so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He has arranged the circumstances so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God is not far from you. He is not distant, floating off in space somewhere. He is close enough to whisper to you. The second reason I think it's significant that God is described as speaking through a whisper is because that suggests you can ignore God if you want. You know, if, if somebody is whispering, you can turn up the TV a little bit louder. You don't usually, you don't even need to turn up the TV louder, right? You can turn up the music a little bit louder. You can tune out a whisper. Uh, God doesn't usually yell at us. That's not his normal way of operating. He whispers to us. And I think this is an expression of, of his love, right? He allows us the freedom uh, to either pay attention to him or to go our own way. He does not force himself on us. He wants us to find him, right? As the Apostle Paul said, right? Uh, he wants us to actively pursue him, to reach out and find him. So what does this mean for us practically? What it means is this. It means if we want to avoid spiritual discouragement and dis disconnection from God, we have to make it a point to listen for the whisper of God. We have to be intentional about listen listening for the whisper. So how do we do that? Well, I have three quick recommendations for how to listen for the whisper of God. And uh, the first thing we need to do is we have to remove distractions. Remove distractions, right? Elijah goes off to Mount Horeb, to, to the mountain of God. Not many distractions uh, on the mountain of God. So what does that mean for us? It means turn off the TV, turn off your phone, uh, find some space where you can be alone and be quiet, now, I realize for some of us, 
uh, especially those of us with kids, that can be really, really hard. But I encourage you, okay, even if you have kids and you're in quarantine, try to find some way, even if it's just for five minutes, to remove distractions and be alone with God. Just even just five minutes. Um, some of us never allow for that kind of silence in our lives, whether we have kids or not. You know, some of us, as soon as we start to feel that silence, we immediately do something to distract ourselves. We immediately pull out our phone and start scrolling. But the story suggests if we want to avoid discouragement and a sense of disconnection from God, we have to allow for that silence. We have to make space for that silence in our lives in order to hear the gentle whisper of God. So that's the first recommendation. Remove distractions. After we've re removed distractions, the second thing that we need to do is recognize that God is near, to remind ourselves of that reality. You know, maybe uh, you can repeat to yourself what Paul says in Acts 17, in God, I live, I move, and have my being. You know, say it to yourself. He is right here. In God, I live and move and have my being. You know, science can explain a lot about the world that we live in, but when you get down to the most fundamental questions, like what is reality even made up of, right? What holds atoms together uh, in, in the particles that make up this material universe that we experience? What actually is it all, okay? When you get down to the bottom of it, there is a mystery there. And scripture's answer to that mystery is, Ultimately, the answer is God holds it together. The will of God holds it together. Not only is God near, but the only reason you can take another breath, the only reason that you exist is because actively in this moment, God holds you together. In him, you live and move and have your being. So to listen for the whisper of God, remove distractions, and then remind yourself that he is near. And then my third recommendation is lean in. Lean in. Uh, when somebody's whispering to you, if you want to hear what they're saying, what do you do? You lean in, right? You actively move closer. So what does that look like uh, for us? Well, for us, that looks like being intentional about making time to listen for God's voice. And it means doing things like reading the Bible, you know, working through uh, a devotional. Uh, it means meditating on Jesus's words, taking the time to really reflect uh, on what Jesus says in scripture. It looks like praying to God, but not just saying things to God, but leaving space for, for God to speak to us, you know, inviting the spirit, Lord, tell me whatever it is that I need to know right now. And I, I want to be clear, okay, I'm not trying to say that the whisper of God is this audible voice that you're going to hear in the same way that I'm speaking to you right now. I mean, that might happen, but usually I think that God prefers to bypass the auditory altogether and speak directly uh, to our hearts and minds. You know, normally when we communicate with each other, there's the vibration of the air and then our auditory nerve picks it up and then translates it in something that our brains can understand. 
right? But God doesn't need to go through all those steps. God can go right to the heart, uh, right to the mind. And that's typically the way that he speaks to us. Now, when you lean in to listen to the whisper of God, you might hear something very specific. Um, or you might just have a strong sense of God's love for you and his presence with you. I don't know what will happen when you lean in to listen for the whisper of God. But I, I believe that when we make that effort to lean in and to hear God's whisper, we are encouraged. Okay, our sense of uh, discouragement, our sense of disconnection and alienation from God, that begins to dissolve. And we have what we need to keep fighting the fight, to keep walking in our faith, uh, to keep living out his call to be salt and light in the world. So if you are feeling discouraged and disconnected, make time to listen for the whisper of God. Uh, and even if you're not feeling discouraged or disconnected, make time to listen uh, for the gentle whisper of God. Our spirits need that. Okay, Just as our bodies uh, need food and sleep, our spirits need the sense of connection with God, uh, the sense um, of closeness with our Heavenly Father. And the way to get there is remove distractions, recognize he's near, and lean in. Amen?